So uh, as we begin today, I want to pick up a little bit uh, and let you watch a, a quick video here with me because the thing Jonathan mentioned a few moments ago in the announcement time about our new agreement with Right Now Media, the world is changing fast. We have so many church members who are working on any given Sunday. They work in places that cannot give them the morning off. That's the way it works. And so they're trying to find places throughout the week. Used to be you could count on Sunday morning, Sunday night, blue laws, all that stuff. You who are antiques like me, you can remember those restrictions, but no more. And so now discipleship has to take place all the time. And video will never, hear me, video can never replace face-to-face -face contact in the body of Christ over the long haul. But what it can do is provide great opportunities for you in a world that is increasingly specialized and has areas of interest, including the Christian world, to find discipleship materials that can help you grow deeper. We have been talking about discipleship paths, a lot of different routes, a lot of different ways that we are on the journey with Jesus and providing a wide swath of materials that are available to you on demand is, I think, going to prove very, very helpful over the long term. So, I thank Jonathan and Paula for really putting the nose to the grindstone, negotiating a package deal for us to make this available to you. Here's an introductory launch video. Our church is a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. Every believer is called to make a difference in the world, to love God completely, and to make disciples of every nation. But in this busy, mobile, noisy world, it can be difficult to even do the basics, to pray, to read the Word, to bring the love of God to our marriages, families, neighbors, and co-workers. We know you're here because you want to be a part of God's mission on the earth. You want to experience the abundant life that Scripture talks about, you're looking to connect your faith to every part of your life, every day of the week. That's why our church is subscribing to Right Now Media and making it available for free to every member of our church. You'll have access to over 10,000 online Bible study videos on parenting, marriage, finance, discipleship, leadership, and many more. The videos can be used in Bible study groups or for personal devotion. There's also a huge library of safe biblical kids videos. We'd love to see every member of our church utilizing Right Now Media. Small group leaders leading their adult or youth groups through engaging Bible study series. Children enjoying safe programming that doesn't just entertain, but helps lay a strong spiritual foundation. Families spending quality time together, going through devotional Bible studies. Couples using biblical studies on marriage, parenting, and finance applying God's Word to every area of their lives. There is something for everyone. We want to help you grow as a disciple of Christ, and we want to help you become a disciple maker in your home, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, in whatever mission field God has called you to. We believe that this free resource will help equip and unleash you to live out your faith in every area of life, to experience God-centered, abundant life, not just on Sundays, but every day. We are for you, and God is for you. He wants to empower you every day to live for Him. Together, we can be a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. Yeah, I'm, 
you know, I, I could ask for a confession, although I don't really look for an, I'm not trying to do an advertisement, but how many of us have a subscription to Netflix? That number's pretty high. How many are on Amazon watching Amazon Prime shows, all those kinds of things? Let me tell you, this right here is a great gift to you from your church. So please, we encourage you to take use of and make use of it. And as I said, it does not replace personal inter, uh, personal interaction. Don't forget the meeting on October 11th downstairs as we launch new groups. We'll spend some time together discussing uh, opportunities and options. So, we hope you'll join us for that on the 11th of October. All right. So, we're diving back into our series on discipleship paths. Now, some of you have figured out what an acrostic is by now. You understand that we're going for P-A-T-H-S, paths. We talked about the priority of a disciple being to love Jesus. Then last week, we talked about the actions of a disciple. And today, we come to the letter T. We're going to be talking about the truth source of a disciple. Because, you see, we make decisions all the time that shape our discipleship journey. Our decisions are based on information that we have taken in. So, one of the really important questions is, what's informing us? What is shaping our thinking as we make our decisions? It makes all the difference in the world, friends, whether the truth source that we are using is truthful and dependable or whether it's driven by something else entirely. Now, we talk about a truth source. A lot of people talk about the, way, the areas they get information. I read this, I read that. I'm a book lover. Most of you all know that. I, there are so many great books in the world I love to read. I have always enjoyed it. And it's interesting, with the advent of computers, for a while there, people talked about the death of the book. Yeah, it's been the death of the bookstore, but it has not been the death of the book. In 2017, which is the last year that we have all the full numbers, Amazon sold, Amazon, just Amazon, 312 million books. About 45% of all the hardback or all the books, uh, printed books that were sold in America that year. Now, that does not include the e-books that they sold. And some of you here, every time I come walking, you say, I'd like to recommend this book. You say, uh, okay, let me, I got to order the ebook. I don't read books anymore. Yeah, it's fine. Books, the information source, all of that stuff, great. So many great books. The digital world has changed how things get delivered, but has not changed our consumption of books. That being said, this book, this bestseller, is unlike any of those other 312 million or around the world, I don't care, 312 billion books. This book has something no other book has. It has the power to change lives. Because it is the truth of God. It is the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 tells us that the Bible is inspired. That word inspired means God breathed. God breathed it out. It has the power to change lives because it's not just words in black ink printed on white paper. That's not what does it. The Word of God, the Bible, the truth of God changes us not because it's good psychology. It's not just full of excellent ideas. 
It is the truth of God. It has the power of God. While Jesus walked on this earth, he's, here's what he said about it. John 6, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. The Word of God, the truth of God is spirit and life. It's power, folks, spiritual power, spiritual things that can transform society, transform history, transform people like you and me. Hebrews 4.12 puts it like this, the Word of God is living and active. Now, can you say that about any other book? No, you cannot. The Word of God is actually alive. It's more than words. The Greek word is energos, from which we get energy. It is energetic. It's got power. It goes on to say it is sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating to the dividing of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Wow, there's a lot in that. Sharper than any surgeon's skilled scalpel. The truth of God has the ability to cut to the heart of the matter, to cut to the heart of any issue. The Word of God has the power to point out what's wrong in my life, what needs to be corrected, and what I need. It's not a clumsy chainsaw. It's not even a great handsaw. It's beyond the scalpel. It is beyond the dividing of joint and marrow, dividing soul and spirit, the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It can do the fine work that needs to be done in my life. It's exactly what I need. It's exactly what you need. And what is that, by the way? What is it that I need? What is it that you need in your life? Well, I can tell you one thing we all need. Change. <laughs> the things in our lives that need to change. The things you don't like. The things you don't want. The things that you know in your life need changing, you may have even already tried to change them at some point in your life. You couldn't do it. The Bible says God's truth can change things that we cannot change on our own because God's Word is spirit and power. D.L. Moody, preacher of a famous, a famous preacher, I should say, of a, of a previous generation, he said, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. So what I want to do today as we talk about the truth source of a disciple, we aren't just looking for more information about discipleship to put in our heads. If the Bible is given to change lives, and it is, then we need to look at some specific ways. I want you to leave here today knowing some specific ways that God wants to change your life with His truth. So let's get right to it. The first way that we're going to talk about, God's truth changes me as it recreates my life. What does that mean? Because usually we say recreation. No, recreation. Why? Because when my life is falling apart, when my life has gone to the dogs, when I feel like I'm at the end of my rope, anybody ever been there? God comes and He recreates my life. He gives me a fresh start. 
The Bible uses the language, it calls it being born again. People, uh, why, why, why? Yes, being born again, getting a fresh start. Why does it use that language? Because it's just that dramatic. It is new life. Being born again means you get an entirely new life. Here's the great news. You don't just turn the page and all that other stuff is still there. You don't just turn over a new leaf. may look grungy on the bottom side, but it you turn. No, no. You get an entirely new life. You are born again. You get a clean slate. James 1.18, listen to this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Notice how that's speaking. The spiritual birth that we're talking about, this being born again, this getting a new life, salvation, it comes through the word of truth. Without the truth source of God's word, you and I couldn't be saved. Without the truth of God, we wouldn't be headed for heaven. We wouldn't know about Jesus. We wouldn't know there was a heaven. We wouldn't know without God's word, without God's truth. We wouldn't know that God has a purpose for you and for me, a purpose for our lives. We don't know that without them. We wouldn't know how to come to trust Him. We wouldn't know any of the things that we need to know in order to really get to know Him and live according to His Word. His Word is absolutely vital. It recreates our lives because God wants us to know Him. And the Bible uses language to kind of say, look, it's like a seed. God's truth is like a seed in our lives. It takes root within us. It begins to sprout. It begins to grow. Then it begins to bear fruit. And before long, 1 Peter 1.23 says it this way, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. You know what that is, right? imperishable. No expires by date on the carton. It's eternal. It's eternal. You have not been born again by something that dies. You have been born by the eternal seed of God's truth. This is amazing. He says, through what? The living and enduring Word of God. So, God's truth, God's Word is not just printed vocabulary. It is power and life to recreate us. Second thing the truth of God is going to do for you, I said some specific ways. The second thing it can do for you is eradicate your guilt. Folks, this is a big one. The truth of God can eradicate my guilt. It, <laughs> that ought to be good news to somebody. Because far too many folks are carrying around a huge sackful of regret and shame. Too many people, anybody in this room stuck with a hurtful past that you just can't seem to get over. People come in a couple of flavors in particular. You get the people who have uh, been hurt, you know, and they have resentment against the people who have hurt them, or they've hurt others and they've got guilt about who they've hurt. But between those two categories, you get most of us. 
We're, we're upset about the people who have injured us and we resent the heck out of it, or we know that we have done wrong and injured others, and the guilt and shame are, are heavy weight to bear. Here's the good news. Did you know God does not want you going through life carrying the baggage of guilt? This is why churches have got to give up the guilt game. It's no good to motivate people with guilt. Not that you can't try to motivate people because that will motivate some people. The problem is it's a dead-end game. It just leads to a bad place. It's like motivating people with banana splits all the time. After a while, you get a bad result. You got to get motivated by some salad. Got to get motivated by some good stuff. And the good stuff is getting rid of the guilt and shame, not carrying it around. Did you know God wants you free from guilt? That's one of the reasons the Word of God, the truth source of the disciple was given, was so that you could be free from guilt. Listen to this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, this is the great thing. God says, I'm not just going to forgive you. I'm going to give you the deep scrub job. We're going to clean you up. We're going to wash you and scrub you clean. I'm going to get rid of all the dirt, all the garbage, all the junk in your life. That's his promise in 1 John 1, 9. If you know the verse, but you're living with guilt and shame, friend, you know it in your head, but you don't know it in your heart. You need to learn it deep within. Listen to Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. Now, exactly what does that mean? What's he saying? So when I take the truth of God and fill my mind with it, it washes my mind. God uses it to clean me mentally, spiritually. It washes me clean of the dirt, the junk, the grime, the grit, the shame, the sin. That's what God's truth does. It's a spiritual cleansing so that your guilt is eradicated. I'll write this verse down. Jesus told this to his 12 disciples, John 15, 3. You, hear it, pathways, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. There's a cleansing power that comes from the word. Now, I want to be careful. You all understand a little bit, those of you who've been uh, a, a part of church life for a long time, the word refers to both this printed version of the voice of God, and of course, what God used before he gave us the printed version, he had his prophets, he had his apostles, and then Hebrew says, then ultimately God sent his son, the word of God, who then spoke the word to us. So we are, we are in the word of God, and Jesus says, you're clean because of what I have spoken to you. What I have done for you is what he is saying. There's a cleansing power that comes from being part of God's truth, and it removes the guilt from my life. Third thing the truth of God does for us is that it activates our faith. It activates our faith. And folks, this is an important part of the Christian walk. So we're talking about discipleship. If you're trying to grow, if you're one of those people who says, yeah, I've been going to church for a long time, but you know, I kind of stopped growing after the first few. Now I just kind of attend. Listen, this is why. 
If you do not learn to activate the Word of God in your life, you will get stuck. Activating your faith is important because that's what gives you the confidence and the boldness to move forward with God. This might surprise you, but did you know that most people are neither confident nor courageous? <laughs> My experience is, is there are far more people who are scared to death. There are far more people who are afraid to take risks. They have a fear of failure. They have a fear of death. They have a fear of the future. They have a fear of this or that. All kinds of fears. They are not walking by faith. Their faith is not being activated. The Bible says that your faith and mine is activated by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. So you see, if you've ever read a verse in the Bible, and all of a sudden you think, I can do that, then you know what it is to have your faith activated. If you've ever been in a service where a preacher was teaching or you were in a Bible study and you heard the truth of God taught and all of a sudden you thought to yourself, I, I can do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You just had your faith activated because faith means trust and obey. You had your faith activated by the Word of God. So you see, brothers and sisters, when I was talking about all those books earlier, this is the difference between this book and a lot of those great self-help books out there. And I said great self-help books out there because there are a lot of great books out there that can give you some help. That's absolutely true. They can tell you the right thing to do. They can point you in a good direction. If, for example, if a self-help book says to you, one of the things you need to do is stop worrying, that's absolutely correct. You need to stop being blocked by your past. That's absolutely correct. Here's the difference. A self-help book has no power to help you do that. The Bible is spirit and life. It has power. It is the Word of God. It is alive, and you cannot say that about any other book. It not only tells you what to do, but it points to a how, and it gives you a power to do it. It activates. It empowers. It increases your faith, but you have to be in the Word for it to activate your faith. The fourth thing the truth of God does for you in your life is that it stimulates growth. Again, in discipleship, we talk about trying to be lifelong learners, always growing. There's nothing worse than a Christian who just thinks they've arrived and stopped. That is not God's will for you. In Acts 20, Paul says to the people in the city of Ephesus, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. Now, you see, Paul's getting ready to leave the Ephesians. He's moving on. He doesn't know when he's going to see them again. He doesn't even know if he'll ever see them uh, again. But he says to them, I'm going to commit you to God and to the word of his grace. These are the words that come next, which can build you up, which can build you up up. That's about strengthening you and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It can edify you. It can build you up. 
and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What does it mean to have an inheritance that can build you up amongst those who are sanctified? I mean, that really does sound religious, doesn't it? I'm going to give you an inheritance that will build you up among the sanctified. I mean, it just sounds like the stuff that people tune out. That's, that's not the language that we listen to. So what does it mean? Well, who here does not know what inheritance is? We know what it is. If you're a member of a particular family, you might be adopted in, you might just be loved in a family relationship, but you might actually be blood family. You're part of that. Uh, and, and you inherit as parents pass on, they leave an inheritance to you. So let's just pretend for a minute that your father is Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, billionaire, one of the two or three richest men in the world. I don't know if he's still at number one. He was for many years. And let's just say that Warren Buffett is your father and he died. He hasn't yet, so don't get your hopes up. And you knew that he had left a will and you didn't bother to read it. In the Greek Bible, we have a very specific word for that. It translates this way. Dumb. That's dumb. If your father is Warren Buffett and he leaves a will and he dies and you don't read it, that is not smart. Why? Because you would be missing out on what's yours, what is rightfully yours as part of the family that you are a part of. You would not know the blessings that are right there for the taking just because you were born into this family. That's who you are. So I want you to think about it this way as a Christian. So what if you go through your life, your entire life, not knowing the power that's available to you, not knowing the opportunities that are available to you, not embracing the blessings that are available for you, the benefits that are yours as a child of God because you never took the time to open the book and see what it says. That would not be smart. That would not be smart. God says, I want to stimulate your growth. I want to give you an inheritance that you have as my child. It rightly belongs to you. Do you know this, right? When we say the word co-heirs, that's got nothing to do with A-I-R-S. That's H-E-I-R-S. We are co-inheritors with Jesus. God says, I'm making it all available to you as my children. And we don't know what that is. We don't care. We don't pay any attention. You see, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. God wants us to have what rightly belongs to us as his children. So look again at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, and notice these four things he mentions. It's good for teaching and rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, this is important. Look at this verse because I want you to understand this means that the purpose of the Bible is to help you fulfill God's purpose for your life. This is why God gave it. God has a plan for you to become something. And to know that, you need the truth of God, the Word of God for your life. 
The plan that God has for you is that you would be thoroughly equipped, that you would have all you need, that you would be completely prepared, that you're ready to face life, ready to face death, ready to face life beyond death, thoroughly equipped. It's not insufficient. You're not living in fear because you, you don't have enough. You don't have what you need. No, you are an heir of God. You have everything you need. And Paul says to Timothy, look, the way God gets you ready for life, the way God gets you ready for what he has for you and his purpose is by using the word of God, the truth source of God for four different processes. Look at them again, and I'm going to give you just a simple way to understand what they are. Don't have to do a lot of Greek study. I'm going to, I'm going to instead just use our name, Pathways, to kind of put this in your mind. Teaching is when God shows me the pathway I should be walking on. That's what teaching is. Rebuking is when God shows me how I got off the pathway because now I'm stuck in a ditch. That's what rebuking is about. That's a bad thing, all right? Correcting says, here's how you get back on the correct pathway. And training says, here's how you can stay on, keep on, remain on the right pathway for the rest of your life. Don't fall into the ditch again. So the Word of God, the truth of God, the truth source for the disciple is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's the way the Word of God helps you grow. So if you've ever caught yourself saying, I don't know if I'm just growing enough. I don't know if the preacher's preaching a meaty enough sermon. Or I don't know if my Sunday school teacher's preparing enough. Or I don't know if our small group literature is deep enough. Uh, friends, that nine times out of ten, none of those are the issue. Are you engaging with the Word of God and allowing it to teach you, rebuke you, correct you, train you? That's what God wants. Fifth, God uses His truth to illuminate my mind. He wants to illuminate our minds with the Word of God. Now, how does that work? You know, if Motel 6 says, well, we'll leave the light on for you. Well, they got that from God. God turns the light on for you, okay? Psalm 119, 130 says, understanding your Word brings light to the minds of ordinary people. That's me, ordinary people. You see, you might have read the Bible at some time in the past and thought, well, I don't know. I'm not really getting anything out of that. I didn't get anything special out of that. Well, sometimes that happens because sometimes it doesn't dawn on you immediately. Sometimes you only notice the light as things get a little darker around you and you need the light and you begin to notice it's on over there. Sometimes God Let's us kind of be drawn to it over time. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So God turns that light on, and I know you've heard this part, right? God does promise to give us light for our path. Sometimes, most of the time in my experience has been that that's just one step at a time. And until you take that step, don't expect for the tunnel to light up for you. God's waiting for you to take a step. You walk in that light that he gives. He gives you light for another step. Thy word is a light unto my path. The implication is, as I am walking my discipleship pathway, seeking to be like God, that light is revealed every step along the journey. 
That's what we want God to do. And God says, I'll do that. My word is a light unto your path. So what's the next step on your pathway? How, how do I turn the light on? How do I, how do I see what's going on? How can, I, how can I get that from God's Word? Well, one of the things you can do is pray the, the Bible. Pray the Scriptures, right? There's some verses. You, can, you might have read Psalm 119 this morning. Who knows? If you had, you'd have seen this in verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Now, whoever wrote that in Psalm 118 many years ago, you know what? That's still a good prayer for me. Dear Lord, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things from your Word, from your Scriptures. Speak to me, God. Teach me, correct me, rebuke me, train me. Make it your prayer. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things. Last one, last specific thing I hope that God might do for you. The truth of God liberates your potential. It liberates my potential it, it's what enables us to see part of what's possible. And this is important because when we talk about liberating our potential, only God actually knows what our full potential is. He's our creator. So your parents don't know your full potential. Your husband, your wife, your friend, your mommy, daddy, they don't all know your full potential. Even you do not know. How many great people have taught this over the years? You do not know the greatness that is possible from what God has put inside of you. You've got to put some time into God's Word. You have to seek Him, His purpose, His way, and then that begins to liberate who you are. You see, how does that work? Well, one of the things people get hung up on, you ever known anybody that's hung up on getting the approval of others? So what that does is when you listen to how other people think, and can we just be honest for a minute? They don't always tell you the good things. As a matter of fact, some of them lie to you to keep you down. They say stuff to you like, well, you know, you'll never be any good at that. How do they know? They don't know your potential. You can't do that. You'll never do that. How do they know? They don't know that. Why can't you be like your brother? Well, when you got seven brothers, you hear that one a lot growing up. I mean, the damaging ones, right? You'll never amount to anything. Wow. That, that stuff is harsh. And what happens is people hear those and they play that tape over and over again and they're lies and they tie you down. And here's the thing. Only God really knows the great potential you have. And only He, through His truth, can unlock that potential. Only He can set you free. Why? Because He is the one who has the truth. John 8, 31, 32, you've heard it quoted so many times. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It breaks my heart that maybe one of the most famous passages in our culture right now has been for the last 20-some years. You can't handle the truth. That's not nearly as important as hearing this. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's worth repeating. Tell that to somebody. Tell that to somebody. Not you can't handle the truth. Tell them the truth is God loves you. You learn to know the truth. The truth will set you free. That's what people need to know. It will liberate you 
to be able to do things you never thought you could. I want to I close with a quick suggestion of, of the how on this because you say, okay, I, Pastor, actually, I, I'd like for all six of those things to happen in my life. I'd like to be liberated. I'd like to have my guilt eradicated. I, I'd like to be activated in my faith. I'd like those things. How do I make these things that you've mentioned up there today, Pastor, how do I make them happen? Three things you got to do. How do you gain these benefits from God's truth? Here's the first one. You got to learn it. You don't know God's truth you're in trouble. You cannot obey a command that you've never heard, okay? Remember Mark 12, 24, when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, who were they? Oh, yeah, the most religious people. And he said, your problem, your trouble is that you do not know the Scriptures. It's a sad commentary that that's still true for too many of us. Remember the verse in Proverbs that says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it, the way thereof is death. In other words, the way that mankind tends to think leads to the way of death, where the way that God thinks leads to the way of life. Used to, I used to have preachers say, you know, if you want to know what God's will is for you, think about what you'd really like to do, and then just go the opposite direction. Because nine times out of ten, the way of man, the way of God, they are not the same thing. You got to be careful. The Bible wants to guide it. So you got to learn it. The second thing you got to do, you got to accept it. Does, it's a great job to learn it, but you got to accept it. And by accept it, I mean accept its authority in your life. Can I be honest with you? I, my parents took me to church when I was six weeks old. I have rarely been out of church for little pieces of time, but, but not for long. And there have been years where I was going three and four times a week to church. So I've been in church a lot. I went to seminary for years. I got a master's degree. I got a BA in religion. I got a, I got a doctorate in religion. I know lots of religious stuff. I've studied. But here's the thing. There are things in the Bible I don't like. There are things in the Bible that are inconvenient to how I'd like to live my own life. There are things in the Bible that I kind of wish God had not said. In this world, you will have tribulation. I wish that weren't true. But I accept the things I don't like because it's God's Word. I accept the things that are inconvenient because it's God's Word. I accept the things that are in there because God set them, not because I want them. Because God is God and we are not. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are not God. We are not God. Take that truth home with you this whole week. Remind yourself, you are not God. You need the truth of God. So you have to learn the Word, and you have to accept the Word. It makes no sense. We said last week, you cannot say, no, Lord, because those two things don't go together. If it's the Lord who tells you to do something, the answer is, yes, Lord, or it's, no, I'm the Lord. Boy, ooh, ow. Yeah, that's what it means. So it's the same thing with the Word of God. I'll obey it. Mm, no, I don't want to obey it. That's just like saying, I'm Lord, not God. Don't think that your truth is better than God's truth. Accept the Word of God. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 2 says. When you receive the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the Word of men, but as it actually is the Word of God, which is at work. Energe oh, it's energizing in you 
who believe. You got to believe it for God to work it in your life. You have to accept it. And then the last piece is you got to act on it. You got to act on it. John 13, 17. Now that you know these things, yeah, you will be blessed by knowing these things. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what it says. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The gaining of the knowledge gets you nothing. It's the doing of them. You don't get blessed for the parts of the Bible you know in your head. You get blessed for the parts of the Bible that you live out with God as you walk on your discipleship pathway. You got to learn it, accept it, and act on it. So, when you do that, what happens? Your life gets recreated. When you do that, your guilt gets eradicated. Your faith gets activated. Your spiritual growth keeps moving forward. My potential is liberated and set free. That's the life you want, then the life of the discipleship pathway is to invest in the truth source of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thy word is truth. We understand that. It is the only dependable light for our path. Thank you for being so generous in giving it. Thank you for giving us such free access with it. Most of us came in here carrying one. Some of us have a bunch of versions on our phones, God. We, we sometimes take for granted just how easy it is to access your word, and yet we do not access it. Help us to devote ourselves to this truth source that can change our lives and the lives of everyone around us. Help us to turn to your truth, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.